Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. Welcome back to another week. Hey. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I was so happy to see Julie this morning. So, okay, let me tell you something about this episode. In all full transparency, we have a lot of heavy topics. Like, Mm -hmm. I just do not foresee this being one of our kind of lighthearted, fun, funny episodes because the stuff we're talking about is deep. Yeah, very. Not all of it, but but, uh, some of it is very deep. Not all of it, but we're going to spend probably a large portion of time on Pete Davidson with his whole Charlemagne interview because there were a lot to discuss there. And trigger warning— suicide, depression, cutting, a lot of a lot of things yeah. there. But it was so fascinating and we cannot wait to get into it. And also, this is so important. <laughs> Instead of our regular bonus episode being on Wednesday, for this week, we decided to do our bonus episode as a full episode on Love is Blind. And we wanted to wait until the reunion came out to record this. So on Thursday, when the reunion comes out, we're going to watch it and then immediately record the episode right after, which... I don't know. I've literally never been more excited for anything in my entire no, I life. I can't wait. I'm so excited. If you Two things. One, if you're watching, but you've kind of been taking your time, get ready so that you can be caught up for the reunions that you can listen right after we record. And if you haven't watched it, please take this as a sign. I am urging you. You guys know I don't watch anything. It's the most fascinating show. Like, it's, you got to watch it. It's you're just, starting to lose your stance on that. You've been watching stuff. I know. I, TV's like good. Who knew? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> no, but seriously, I just, I I want you guys to watch it so badly. That's all. Anyway, I think uh, let's start with Pete. Shall yes, we? And we shall. What a week for this kid, huh? Uh, yeah. So he did a 52-minute interview with Charlemagne. And I have to say, it's not like we have so much to compare it to because Pete really doesn't do that many interviews. Like he said, you know, he doesn't typically translate that well over in print. Yeah. But this was excellent. Yeah. I mean, he was so open, so funny. Like for a very serious interview, he really like 
has such a way about him. He really did. I, I want to, we're going to get into all of it. So, you know, he started by saying that he feels like he's in a good place. And Charlemagne kind of asked him an interesting question, which is, what does a good place look like for him? Which I thought was a really, like, good question. Yeah. You know what I mean? He could have easily just glanced over that. Yeah. Well, I think you're just, like, not overly used to Pete Davidson saying that he's in a good place. That too. And he said, you know, he has a lot of projects coming out and a lot of things he's working on. And he's really happy to focus on that, which was definitely a theme throughout the entire interview, was his work ethic. Yes. Which honestly was something that I wasn't that familiar with. Well, I think it's also a really interesting approach to his work ethic because a lot of people, like, their work ethic is because— I'm trying to think of how to word this. Their work ethic is because of their work. Like, Mm -hmm. not that Pete Davidson doesn't care about his work, but I think a huge factor for him and his work ethic is his own need to, like, have a distraction. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, for other people, it's like, I love my work. I'm doing my work with him. It's like, I love my work, and it's keeping me alive. Yeah, and also something that was really interesting, which we'll get into, is how, like, he has this kind of complicated relationship with fame because— he so badly wants to jump in and be as successful and as, like, uh, you know, do all these different projects, but he doesn't want the fame that comes with it, and it's kind of just happened. Well, I think there are very—and he talks about this. There are very few comedians that—not that they're not famous, not that they're not known, but that have the level of fame that he has, which is, like, paparazzi outside your house, have to hire security for your family, have to—can't go anywhere unless you're with security. And most comedians don't have that. It's not, you like— Even comedians who have been on SNL, it's just not the type of lifestyle most of them have to live. And I think that's his thing where he was like, I always wanted to be a comedian. I always wanted to be known. I always wanted to be performing. I never, ever expected it to get to this point. Well, yeah, most people aren't engaged to Ariana Grande. Like, that'll do it. Right. You know what I mean? Well, especially, like, engaged to Ariana in the way that he was. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the most publicized relationships that we've seen in recent history. It was, I I miss that time. I really do. I was getting so nostalgic throughout this interview. Like, we'll get into it. Anyway, let's start chronologically. So Charlemagne asks him about that infamous million-dollar NDA that Pete apparently had everybody sign before one of his shows, which you remember when we were discussing this? Yeah. Because there was a lot of conversation about that. And this is what he said. I'm going to read the quote. He goes, that was just a joke slapped on top of it. The NDA, I just thought it was funny to charge more than what I have. The NDA was, I was getting ready to film a special and my jokes leak. People come to the shows with a notepad. I see it, even if phones are locked. And they write down all my jokes and then they put them in the like post or whatever. And then my jokes are out there. Jokes aren't like songs. Like when Billy Joel is still doing We Didn't Start the Fire for 40 years and girls are still showing their tits. But once you do a joke, it's over. So I was like, we just have to make sure the material doesn't get out so I can film it. But then someone took a picture of the NDA and put out the NDA, which just proved my point. That part was interesting. It was interesting. It's... Like, because it is true. Once you hear a joke, it's not the same as when you hear it. Like, I, there were a lot of jokes in the special, like of the Netflix special that I watched, where I was like, fuck, I already knew that mm-hmm. because somebody had gone or it had leaked online. I was like, you're right. Like, it would have been nice to have heard that for the first time. I think that the, like, the, cri- the criticism that he got when that initially came out was like, who the fuck are you? Like, Dave right. Chappelle isn't having people sign NDAs. Yeah, he locks people's phone up. But the thing with Pete is that he's such a, pop culture figure right now that it makes sense. Also, like, he was never going to sue somebody for a million dollars. No, no. It was more so a scare tactic. It was, yeah, it was just like him. It was the most Pete thing I've ever seen. So, in talking about his stand-up, you know, Charlemagne asks him, you know, because he does talk about Ariana, which why don't you touch on for a second kind of the general vibe? You don't just say the actual jokes. Yeah, he— 
Basically, his view on talking about Ariana was like, he, when you're a singer like Ariana, like you put into what you're feeling into songs, right? So she wrote Thank You Next. She wrote other things that had to do with him. And from his point of view, he doesn't have social media. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Instagram. There was no outlet for him to kind of turn what he was going through into something else. So for him, that's stand-up. The same way Ariana would write about it in a song or talk about it in an interview, he does it in his stand-up. And his whole position was, just to explain it without getting into like the, the humor of it, his whole position was, if she's going to talk about it and it's not off-limits to her, then it shouldn't be off-limits to me to talk about it. And I watched the stand-up, and I think that— Something that's really important is if you're reading it on print, it seems a lot worse than it is. I think exactly you need his to, point. Right. Like, you need to watch it in order to understand the comedic delivery and the timing and the way he's talking about it. Because when you read it on paper, you're obviously going to be like, what the fuck? When you watch it, it's hilarious. Yeah. It really was funny. And they ask, and Charlamagne asks him, he's like, is there anything that's off limits? And he's like, of course. Anything that's genuinely mean or hurtful is off limits. Yeah, he goes, I want to be cool with everybody, but stand-up is part of my life. That was a highly publicized thing. I feel like she got her fair run and her fair stab at it. And like I said, I don't have social media and I don't have an outlet really to express my feelings. So stand-up's just how I do it. And when you look at it from that lens, I do think that it makes sense. Yeah. Nobody's, you know, she, exactly. She has her creative form. Right. And also, like, I am a huge Ariana Grande fan. And I feel like as much as I love Pete Davidson, I feel like when they're, when they're kind of going head to head, you look at one and you're like, who's taking the worst shot? And I feel like in this case, it was like, I don't know. I felt like it was equal. I feel like they both got their things in. They both did it. Pete did it in his way, which is more comedic. And obviously, you're going to be, I don't want to say harsher, but you're going to, it's going to have a much different tone than a one line in a song. I also just don't think that either of them had malicious intent. I don't think so And either. I don't think that their goal, like I think they wanted to, you know, say their piece, but I don't think they're, I, I don't think that they have hatred for each other. No, I don't like, think so either. that's not the vibe that I got. And so I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I didn't take it as seriously as some other people because I didn't feel that either of them were trying to be vengeful. Does also that make the sense? Whole, yeah, and the whole point of stand-up is to not take it seriously. But Charlamagne says back to him, yeah, they were saying she may have been throwing some shade at you at the Grammys. And Pete goes, I'm sure she was. She's the queen of shade. Again, I get it. That's her job. She has music to it. I get it. So I hope people feel the same way about my jokes. Which, by the way, this was, ex when I literally watched that, I was like, this is why he doesn't do interviews. Because so easily that Pete Davidson, quote, Ariana Grande, Queen of Shade. Right, and that's you know exactly what, I mean? what the headline like, was. Exactly, and he's so—if he, you watch the way that he spoke about her, specifically talking about the Mac Miller stuff, it was—I felt that it was um, not at all offensive. And I'm talking about in the, in the, in yeah. the interview. just stuttered. It's okay. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I'm on my way here. I was talking to my Uber driver, and I, like, literally could not speak. And I said to him, I was like, this is not going to be a good situation. I have a podcast to record. Like, yeah, he was being really supportive, but— oh, I'm glad that, he was supportive, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just I hope that that isn't the case today. Um, this is also a really funny moment. They laugh about how he was her— uh, first and only fiance and Pete claps and he's like yep I still got that one for my family I did that for America that's for every kid out there it was so, so funny so that's I mean he still knows like it's not like he's blind to the fact like if when he talks about Ariana he's still like he still can't believe it even happened oh yeah he's in a full state of disbelief also you know Charlemagne I think let's just to back up for a second they're friends and which is one of the reasons that I think Pete felt comfortable even doing this interview. And I felt like Charlemagne did a good job of asking the, quote, clickbait questions while not focusing the interview on that. Yeah, I think that, well, first of all, the interview was so deep. And I think that regardless, 
those are questions that have to be asked. Like people are dying to know, like, what is your stance with Ariana? What is your stance with these relationships? Like you have become like somebody who's notorious in Hollywood for who you've dated. It would be disingenuous to have an interview where it's not brought up at all. The issue that happens as a result of that though, is that that's the headline everyone runs with rather than the fact that he spent probably 10 minutes talking in a 50 minute interview. He spent probably 10 minutes talking about his exes and his relationship, whatever. And then 40 minutes talking about his struggles with mental health, what he does. And how many headlines did you see about that? Exactly. None. You saw only Ariana headlines, which is like, if I was, honestly, if I was Pete, I would be like, just don't ask any of those questions. If it's trying to be an interview about that, then make it about that, which isn't Charlemagne's fault. It's like, when you're watching the interview itself, I don't, I didn't find that it took away from it. I think that if you're only reading the headlines and not actually doing the research, which is not Pete or Charlemagne's fault, if you're going to take that approach, then you have an issue. I so agree. But in that discussion, you know, they were speaking about kind of the list of women that he's been with. And he says that Nick Cannon is his mentor. And he's like, Nick's game in Hollywood is historic. And Charlemagne's like, hey, you're getting up there. Your list is growing. And Pete goes, I'm not trying to make it grow. The thing is, it looks like I'm a whore, right? But I've only been with those girls. I've only been with like five or six people. If I was a girl, I'd be like a virgin. That was an interesting line. Very interesting line. I, w- I wonder like what the rationale, not the rationale behind him saying that was, but it just seemed odd. It did seem a little bit odd. He he was, yeah, it was like a, yeah, I so agree. But also, does he mean that he's only, those are the only five girls he's dated, like seriously, and that the others haven't been publicized? He's not talking about like sex. I can't imagine he's talking about sex, but I, that was the way he kind he said of it. framed it. Um, but the thing is, is when you look at his relationships, he's kind of always in a relationship. So I don't think he's had sex with five or six people, but I think from the time of one highly publicized relationship to another, it's not the craziest thing that he doesn't have people in between. Yeah. I'm looking at this outline. I'm telling you guys, like, I don't want to, I don't want to cut it short. I really want to spend our time on this. I'm just looking, I know there's a lot to read, but this was so good. And we got a lot of DMs about wanting us to talk about it. So I don't feel like. I think that people, I think he's such such a de- decisive, divisive character. Like you, he is genuinely the person you either love or hate. I've never, I've never met anybody who's like, Pete Davidson, indifferent. No one ever feels that way. But I feel like when you listen to this interview, it's hard to root against him because it's like, you're a dick if you root against him. Yes, I agree. Like here's this guy literally talking about everything he goes through, everything he feels, how like his, he doesn't have mirrors in his basement because he like doesn't like looking at himself. And it's like, you're still going to sit here and like make fun of him and be mean to him? Yeah, I can't wait to get into that part. So Charlemagne says, you were quoted in your paper magazine, which by the way, do you guys remember when that whole thing we did on that paper magazine story? That was a good one. I loved that paper magazine interview. He goes, you were quoted in your paper magazine cover story interview saying that sometimes when you put so much of yourself on someone, it overwhelms them and then they don't know if they can come close to that. Do you feel you've had a hard time sharing all the parts of yourself in relationships? And he said, no, I share too much. I scare the fucking shit out of people because I have like a lot of issues and I like to be very upfront about that so that there's no surprises. Like, I don't want you to be surprised if I cut myself or if I have to go away to rehab or if I have to go to certain therapy. Because, you know, it just like, it breaks the ice easier in a month and that's just like, holy shit. But it's like, I don't want to waste your time. So I think I come across very intense and I think that that scares a lot of people away. What an honest answer. The whole thing is so honest. He he said that, like, you know, Charlemagne then brings up Kaya Gerber and he's saying that, you know, Kaya, I guess, was quoted saying that it got overwhelming for her and that Pete has a certain MO when he's very intense to his girlfriends. And Pete's response to that was, 
yeah, you know, we were dating for a few months and she's very young and I'm going through a lot. And it was before I was going to rehab and she has stuff going on. And it's like, she should be having fun. She shouldn't have to worry about some dude that has issues and shit. She should be enjoying her work and all that other stuff. So it just wasn't the right place or the right time. But also her parents were really helpful and stuff. So they're all cool. I was so I yeah happy that it brought up her parents. In my wildest dreams that I think we were going to get a quote about uh, Cindy Crawford and Randy Gerber from Pete. I know. All we saw, think about it from the public, guys. All we saw was those headlines, the Daily Mail article, paparazzi shots of Randy and Cindy screaming outside of, of Pete's apartment. And the, and the captions was like, a concerned, you know, uh, Randy Gerber and Cindy Crawford whisk away Kaya Gerber amidst Pete Davidson's struggles. Yeah. And it's like, from what it sounds like, yes, partially that was true, but also they cared for him. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think that it was important to him to clear that up. And I thought it was right that he did that. He didn't have to say that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Charlemagne was talking about the women that he's dated that he he really feels like he's in love with them. And he's like, listen, I like love. I love love. That's just how I grew up. Just my mom and my sister. I didn't have a man around the house. So I was just like, when am I going to find my princess charming? That's all I've ever wanted. I just want to have a kid. That's what I want. I think it would be awesome. It'll keep me around, keep my head up. And I just want to be there for something and do something I didn't have growing up. That's my biggest thing. That's the whole theme of this interview, though. Like, this kid just wants to be loved. He just—he wants to give love, and he wants to be loved. Yeah. I—you know, he's, that's something that he said in the paper magazine thing also, that having a child, he feels like, would really keep him on this earth. And that I remember you and I being so—like, taking a moment to be like, wow, that is a really powerful statement. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the, like Well, for, because it's so layered to say that. It's to so, say that you want to have a kid—like, there's so much there. It just shows the, the depth of his depression— yeah. You know, and also from a perspective angle of like, you know, I feel like when you and I talk about having kids, it's like we're just so excited for that time in our life. But my heart like just went out to him so much when he was like, I want that. Yeah, for all those reasons, but also because I feel like that's what's going to keep me from harming myself. Right. You know, like. Well, the other aspect of it is also that he wants to be able to be a father that he never had. Yeah. His father, I don't know if everyone knows, his father died. He was a firefighter who died in 9-11. And Pete was young when that happened, and he talks a lot about growing up without a father, and that's kind of really a huge root of his problems and his depression, and it goes back to that a lot. Um, and he says, he's like, I want to be able to—he's like, that's always what it's been about, like, to be able to do something that I didn't get to, get a chance to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his—like, he was he was joking about how he really wants his mom to start dating. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I think she is. Like, she's been out a couple late nights, and just their relationship. You know, he lives—you think, like— Pete Davidson, massive celebrity, engaged to Ariana Grande. Like, he still lives with his mom in Staten Island in the basement. He has a very kind of humble life for, comparatively speaking, to what he could have. He could be easily doing the full LA thing, and maybe he will one day. But he's so comfortable with that. I think it's so comforts. much about his mental health, too. Yeah, he knows that. And I'm sure be. for his mom to have him right downstairs is a huge comfort. A because huge? there's, like, what he talks about is no joke. Like, it's not just like, you know what I mean? So I think that there's a huge factor there of like, my son's in my basement. I know where he is. Like, and I think that, and his sister lives there too with his mom upstairs. Yeah. He, you know, just in terms of kind of his like depression that he's so open about, we see a headline that we see all the time is like, Pete Davidson back from rehab, Pete Davidson off to rehab. And Charlamagne kind of asked him about that. And I've never heard someone talk about rehab like this. Right. In the sense of like the way he spoke about it, it almost had this casualness to it, kind of like, yeah, I'm just like going back to rehab to kind of get my get myself together and then I'll be out soon. Not as a, you know, one-time thing. And I mean that 
like zero negative connotation. I'm saying that's the way that he was describing it. He was saying like, I view it as a really strong and positive thing because it's not about drugs. It's about, I go there, I get readjusted and then I can come back kind of readjusted and I need to be sober in order to get like that. And it, you know, his relationship was with rehab was so interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think that you think back to, you know, when Britney Spears was going to rehab and it wasn't, you know, you, you kind of were like, it was like every other day, it was like Britney Spears whisked away to rehab amid like whatever. And when you think about it from the mental health perspective and not from like the stigmatized rehab perspective, it it changes your entire view of what's going on. Like if, if you were talking about Britney Spears in 2007 being like, she's going to rehab, she's going to get her medicine fixed, she's going to get right, she's going to get readjusted, and then she's going to come back. It would have been a much different narrative than what it was. Like Britney Spears whisked away, kicking and screaming. Right. You like, know? Yeah. No, it, exactly. And I and I, I actually think the way that he kind of approached it took did help in destigmatizing it. And he said, you know, Charlemagne asked him how he knows when it's time to go back. And, interesting, go back, not go. Like, right. You know, and he says that it's usually when he starts cutting himself and that he has friends around him that will really tell him, be like, you know, dude, I think that it would be good for you. And they, when they got into the conversation about cutting himself, he's like, I cut my chest. And he said that he started to get tattoos there. And that's kind of why he started to do it. And he's like, when I'm so manic, that's the only thing that I can do that's a release for myself. And he's like, you know, I'm working now to do other things like taking a cold shower and going for a walk and working out. He's like, but really that is, that's what does it for me. Right. Well, I think that that was one of the things that he was saying was that like, he's not that he's gotten past that, but he's really like rehab has helped him to learn those other things that he can do. And he said, he's like, it's not the way it was before. now that he has those other outlets and those other things that he can do. But that was just the thing. He was like, I've never heard somebody speak so honestly about um, the way they feel and what they do and that side of the depression. I think it's usually a very bland, like, I just had to go and get right. Like, he's very open about what it is that he was doing, why he had to do it, what he got from it, and what he's learning to get over doing that and not have to do anymore because he knows there are other outlets and other ways to deal with it. I it's so, just very interesting. Like the, the, I've never, I've really never heard someone be so open in an interview like this. Yeah, I, I, I about this particular subject. Right, it was just right. like I don't know. It was really honest. Like he, there was no part of him that was bullshitting. And I think, especially you know, if I was someone who was really struggling with depression or mental illness, I think that watching him be so transparent would have been very helpful to me. Like yeah. I imagine, and he says that. Charlamagne asked him at one point, like, do you want to do this? And he's like, do I want to be a therapist? And he's like, no, but do you want to be a mental health advocate? And he said, like, not necessarily formally, but yeah, he would love to be any sort of, he would love to help in any way that he possibly could. Okay, this was fucking fascinating. You know what I'm going to say? Oh, yeah. So Charlamagne asks him the question that I think all of us were curious about. He says, how was it when you were dating Ariana and Mac passed away and she was openly grieving Mac in a real way? Like, oh, that's the love of my life, my soul weight. How did that affect you? He said, quote, I totally got it because we were only together for a few months. She'd even tell you this. I was like, listen, whatever you got to do, I'll be here. I think I literally said, I'll be here until you don't want me to be. I pretty much knew it was around over after that. It was really horrible and I can't imagine what that shit is like. All I do know is that she really loved the shit out of him and she wasn't putting on a show that was fucked up in Paris to his family and his friends. It's still fucking everybody up. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that was always the view we had of the relationship. And it wasn't like, I never, 
there was a lot of rumors going around at the time that like Pete was having a hard time dealing with the way Ariana was grieving Mac. And I never got that vibe. It just doesn't seem like that to me. But I think that it was such a hard period for her and is still so difficult for her that to hear him talk about it is so, it was just like, Everything that we thought during that time, it was interesting to hear him say it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I think especially as someone who's struggled, he has struggled with such loss in his life, different, of course, but I can't ever imagine him being egotistical or, like, narcissistic enough to make her reaction to such a massive loss about him. Like, no. I just never got that, that vibe. You know what I no. mean? And I don't know. I— no, that whole situation. I think it was more like she, he knew that their relationship was never going to be the same after that happened, especially because she was never going to be the same after that happened. Yeah, and also then it was such a, you know, it's easy to kind of put someone not at the forefront of your mind. And then when something like that happens, it really makes you come to terms with your actual emotions and feelings towards them. Right. And I think that, you know, when you're dealing with something like this so publicly and everyone unfortunately has an opinion about who you're dating. Should Is this the proper way to grieve? Should you still be with him in this? And I think that the stress of that and the stress of everyone's opinions and the constant, constant scrutiny, it, it just would have, it, it wouldn't have, it would have been really illogical for them to have made it through that, in my I opinion. I agree with you. Also, his conversation about SNL was very interesting. Yeah. Has he said this before? Um, not in, like in so many words, I think, but this was the first time that he really came out and spoke about it. They were talking about like when it's time to move on from SNL because everybody says, you know, when you know, you'll know. Because think about how many greats have been on SNL throughout yeah. the years, and there's always the time that comes, some obviously more abrupt than others. And he said, you know, he feels like he should be done with the show because they make fun of him. He's like, it's not, you know, it's not when I'm just playing a character. He's like, it's when I'm the punchline of a joke and I'm not even in the sketch. He's like, I'm not even there and I'm the punchline of the joke. And He's like, it's, you know, I am I in on the joke or am I not? And he said that the environment there isn't really like a family. Like, he's like, Lauren is like a father to me. Like, I, mm -hmm. he couldn't have spoken more highly of Lauren Michaels. He was like, but it's very cutthroat there. And they don't really give a shit at the end of the day because everybody's just wrapped up in their own stuff. And, you know, he's, it was, it was, I, what I really appreciated here was that, I don't know if it was a conscious effort or not, but he was able to speak openly about his struggles with it while still maintaining this very real sense of gratitude. Yeah. Not as like a, fuck you. He's like, I recognize what this did for me. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But also, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that that is the reason that everyone, that most people eventually leave the show is because it really is and always has been such a starting point for people's careers, especially comedy careers. And... For him, when everyone is pushing forward their sketches because they want to be the next name, they want to be the next SNL great, he has already gotten the fame from SNL that he's going to get. There's no more There's no more up for Pete. Right. So for him, he's not—it's not cutthroat for him anymore. He doesn't need to work to get a sketch in. He doesn't need to work to get into a, into a skit or need to get his writing in. Like, he's there. So for everybody else, it's like they're kind of working against him. Mm -hmm. And when you're working against somebody, it doesn't create for that kind of environment. And I think that he also just clearly has such deep trust issues that it's like he's the type of person where he's so, and he talks about it, he's so insecure and so unsure of himself certain times that like, even if somebody's saying to him, like, you're the butt of the joke, but like, we want you to be in on it. Like, we're doing it because we love you. We're doing it. There's a part of him that's never going to be able to understand and comprehend that. And I think he's just that part in his life where it's like, I'm on the show. I don't need it as a stepping stone anymore. And if I'm going to be the butt of the joke, then, like, what is my place here? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. The it's just it's the insecurity factor that's so present throughout his life. Like when he talked about the fact that he literally does not have mirrors in his basement. He's like, listen, we have them upstairs because my mom and my sister. He's like, I don't want to look at myself. Yeah. Like I don't want to see myself. He's just. I think he, in so many ways, he's just like a little kid. Yeah. He just wants to be loved, and I can imagine that as someone who. His whole thing is like, I don't want to be hurtful. I don't want to do this. And then he's in this environment where he feels constantly hurt. Right. It's just not healthy for him. No, I know. And I think that he is the type of person that like, whether other people see it or not, he has to just do what he thinks is best. So if everyone else is watching the show being like, this is ridiculous, like you're fine. It's not about that. It's like for him and his own mental health, he needs to be the one to be like, I'm fine with this or I'm not fine with it. Yeah. He also spoke about like the idea of being a hypocrite. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm allowed to make jokes. But he was saying that it was different because it's not like he's— He's like, I, I won't even be there, and I'm the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, also, I don't know if we put this in the outline, but I just wanted to say that the way that he spoke about Adam Sandler made me so happy. It made me feel like how Jonathan Adler last week said that he felt like all was right in the world because Teresa Giudice's house looks the way it does. When when Pete was talking about how kind and good-hearted and true of a man Adam Sandler was, I felt like I heard, like, hallelujah because— all I want ever, like if, if we ever found out that Adam Sandler was a dick, it would really no, you would do damage for me. He's the nicest guy. And him just, he's like, I want to emulate that. He's like, he's such a hard worker. He's such a family guy. He's not caught up in the bullshit. And the other thing that Pete talks about a lot that came into play with the Adam Sandler part of it is Pete talks about his friend group a lot. And he's like, something that Adam does in every single one of his movies is that he has his friends in it. Like if you watch his movies from the 90s, that's his group of friends in the movies. And Pete's like, that's all I want to do. He's like, I just want to write and direct shit and put all my friends in the movies and let them have all of their opportunities and let them grow. And I just, he, he really, I don't know. He's really, I feel like, Pete puts himself in a situation where he's constantly trying to do the best for other people and, like, sometimes leaves himself behind. Like, he, I, I think he doesn't think he's, like, worthy he of certain things. He definitely doesn't think he's worthy. But I think he feels like his friends are, and if he can help them, then he's turning whatever he doesn't feel worthy of into that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, I think there's legitimacy there. Also, this was really fun. So they play a game where Charlemagne says someone that he's been with in, a pa- in the past, and he has to say the first thing that comes to mind. So, by the way, he calls Kaya KG. Loved that. Love. Doesn't Justin call Haley HB sometimes? I don't know. Did Maybe. I just make that up? I think you made that up. I've never heard it. Oh, who am I thinking? It'll come to me. Anyway, so Kaya, and he goes, beautiful, smarter than me. Margaret Qualey, beautiful soul, great girl. She'll win an Oscar. She'll win an Oscar for sure. She's so talented. Kate Beckinsale, oh man, fucking legendary. All my uncles freaked out. Also <laughs> fucking hysterical. One of the funniest people I've ever met. Cassie David, she's fucking hilarious. She's another, just one of the funniest people I've ever met. She'll have a show in a couple of years for sure. Carly Aquilino, oh, we love Carly. She's the best. We're cool. We're friends. We actually hang out all the time. She's one of the coolest chicks ever. I have a lot of love for Car- Carly, always. I loved that game. Yeah. I had the time of my life. Well, that's the, also the beauty of, of doing a game like that. It, it wasn't meant to be negative. Like, that was all a chance for him to say something positive about everybody. It was kind of like when, uh, and this was different because he doesn't have the same hatred that some of the housewives do, but, like, when the housewives are on Watch What Happens Live and Andy's like, okay, Nini, say, like, one positive word about Kenya. Yeah. It's, like, obviously different, but even though it was, like, I, I enjoy. Um, just as a side note, last night, Ashley Benson, Ashley, Ashley Benson, I told you I can't talk today, did an Insta story of her, Kaya Gerber, and Margaret Qualley at dinner in Paris. So... It's crazy, really? right? I mean, it's, a little bit of a peak conversation came up, I'm sure. It, especially in light of this interview coming out. Oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah. What would you have done to be a fly in the wall? Obviously anything. Absolutely anything. Okay. Do you feel comfortable to end that discussion there? Is there anything else you want to add? Um, watch his stand-up. It's hilarious. And watch the interview. I just think it's important to watch him to get the right idea of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I don't think that it's the type of thing where, like, if you didn't like him before, you're automatically going to be like, I love Pete Davidson. I don't think so. But I think that you'll have an appreciation for what he's going for through or at least some sort of sensitivity. Because I think if you don't, that's an odd reaction. I, I completely agree. I think if you don't like him and you watch that interview and you're still rooting against him, then that's a very, um, like, inhumane response, in my opinion. Totally agree. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Next thing we wanted to talk about was Hillary Duff and this whole Lizzie McGuire saga. I, for lack of a better word, was shook. Were you not? It's just like all of the reboots are just so interesting to me. So as you guys know, Disney Plus was scheduled to do a reboot of Lizzie McGuire. We're so excited, et cetera. We find out that the filming is suspended. So we're all kind of curious. And over the weekend, Hilary Duff posts a note, a la Justin Timberlake denying the cheating, and says, was incredibly excited to launch Lizzie on Disney Plus and my passion remains. However, I feel a huge responsibility to honor the fans' relationship with Lizzie, who, like me, grew up seeing themselves in her. I'd be doing a disservice to everyone by limiting the realities of a 30-year-old's journey to live under the ceiling of a PG rating. It's important to me that just as her experiences as a preteen slash teenager navigating life were authentic, her next chapters are equally as real and relatable. It would be a dream if Disney would let us move the show to Hulu if they were interested and I could bring this beloved character to life again. Well, the reason that a lot of people were saying, like, if you're going to put something out on Disney, right, it has to be appropriate. Like, you're serving a much younger generation, and therefore, if you're going to put something out on Disney, it should be appropriate. But— the thing with Lizzie McGuire is that you're not doing anybody a disservice by giving her an appropriate PG-13, 30-year-old plot line because the people who would want to watch it because they grew up with it are that age now too. So it's not like you are depriving a younger generation of following a story they love because they didn't have the story in the first place. They would be starting at square one here. Exactly. I think that the bottom line here was that Disney Plus was never the correct home for this, but also like, how do you go around that? Right. Do you know what I mean? Right, because it is a Disney show, and I think that there's two sides of it. Like, if you really want to bring this character to life, I think there are ways to go around a PG— like, not go around a PG rating, but, like, have a PG rating and still somehow do this character justice. Like, 
without like a PG-13 theme. You can still show them as a third-year-old with a family and, and this kind of stuff. But I think that when you're an adult acting and you're have such connection to a character that is so you and feels like you've emulated your own character, then it feels disingenuine to give them anything but the plot line that you experienced yourself. Yeah. Also, like, I think she doesn't want that. Like, I think if she's a 30-year-old living in Manhattan, she maybe wants to talk about some one-night stand. Right. And also, if you're, you know, making a show that's supposed to go out to the generation that watched your show initially, they don't want, they want something that's, exactly. so it depends. We want a little pregnancy scare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. We want to see all that kind of shit. We want to see her, like, smoking weed and not wanting her kid to see or whatever. Right. I think it is a much more, um, like, appropriate setting to have it on a show that's not Disney Plus because it deserves to have it. And I don't think that's Disney Plus's fault. I don't think Disney Plus should have to change their platform so that it's more age, like less age appropriate or whatever it is. I just think that it makes sense for it to live in a different home. Yeah, like in an ideal world, they'd cut a deal where everybody leaves happy. I know it's hard for Disney Plus because that was a huge, they felt like that was a huge pull for people to get it was because of that. I don't know. It's a little messy. We clearly don't know all the information, but I really just want that show. So anything that can they can do to happen, yeah. I, I'd watch it. Also, realistically, I'd watch a PG version. That's exactly you know the mean? point, though. I would. You would. But wait, I wanted to say, in case you guys didn't see this, we posted in the roundup this morning, her dad in the show, Robert Carradine, he's, I guess, a musician now? Yeah, I guess I guess. I had so. no idea. Someone commented, what's your opinion on Lizzie moving to Hulu? And he responds, well, now that she's 30, I can't tell her anything. I just have to hope she's getting an earful from animated Lizzie. That's cute. I really like that. Was he going to be I don't think so. in it? I didn't think so either. Maybe a guest star role? Who knows? Who knows? Okay, let's move on to Haley on Fallon. This is funny. I loved this. But can I tell you why this is funny? Tell me. So first of all, what we're talking about in Haley on Fallon is that she talks about when she did the bottle cap trick on Fallon two years ago or so. Which is that she can open a beer bottle with her teeth. Right. When we were watching the other day, before we get into what she said, the other day we were watching, not you, me, the 73 questions that she did. Mm-hmm. And she does the beer bottle. She goes through the beer bottle trick, and then she's like, you know what? I'm just going to open it the regular way. And I said to Nat, I was like, I guarantee you what happened is that Justin saw her do that trick and was like, oh, fuck, that's hot, and then called her. Haley on this interview, that was literally two weeks ago. Haley on this interview, the first thing she says to Jimmy Fallon is that she owes him their relationship because when she did the bottle cap trick on his show, that's when Justin called her. Like. First off, amazing insight there. Very, that was really intuitive of you. Yeah, right? It was. Yes. I just know him well. <laughs> no, but she, she said, she was like, I get a call from this certain someone. And he's like, hey, saw you on Fallon last night. You were really great. You looked cool, like awesome. That, that you know, beer bottle thing was cool. She's like, cut to, I am now married to that certain someone. And Jimmy's like, you would have thought that I'd be invited to the wedding. Right? Like, like, yeah. like it, was the whole, it was just very funny. I, someone messaged us and was like, did you guys think that she was tense in that interview. And I think that, I think she, her answer to Jimmy's question, I don't think we have it written down, but when he was asking her kind of how the experience of doing seasons, the documentary was, and she said like she would have never thought she wanted to do that, but through doing the process, she realized how great it was because she was able to show her heart. She's like, all I ever wanted was for people to see my heart. And I see all these headlines and like, I just wanted them to see me. And I think that her saying that made sense as to why if you thought she came across as a little bit um, 
cold or like un— Maybe stiff. Stiff maybe was because I think she's so overly concerned with how she is perceived because she's so often perceived in a way that she doesn't want to be. Yeah. And it wasn't—I didn't feel like she was being inauthentic or like she was being— Rude. I think she is warm, but I think she's just on such high alert because she's so easily dragged. Yeah, and I I liked her. So no, I thought it was a I thought it was great. I really like her. I don't. I I do. I think I she's smarter than Justin. I think she's the I, like. I think she's like the rock in that family. And I think when their kids grow up, like she's gonna be the person of the house if I had to choose one. Yeah. I I mean I so see that. I think that first of all, when they have kids, it's just gonna be fucking amazing. It's gonna be the greatest thing in the entire world. Um, I didn't find her stiff in the interview. I, I just think that, like, we, when you're watching Fallon, a lot of times you're really used to having really animated people, and a lot of them are performers and singers or, or actors, so therefore there's, like, an animated side to them. I don't think she has that animated side because it's not who she is. I think yeah. it's the same thing. When Kendall goes on, everyone's like, oh, she's a little stiff. It's like, yeah, because she's not a TV personality. She's a model, and a lot of what she does is being a little stiff on stage or— I just don't think they're 100% open on camera. And I think that also Seasons was probably the first thing that Haley's done where she's really on camera for an extended period of time. I actually think it, it warmed her up, though. I do, too. Like, I, I, think she, I felt she was fine in the interview. I didn't find her stiff. Did you? Not stiff, comparatively speaking, to how she is. I think stiff if you're expecting, like you said, if you're expecting a Jennifer Lawrence, you're not going to get it. That's just right. not who she is. That's like As much as she's a celebrity, television isn't her thing. So right. I think she was normal, but I do think it's also because she's so in her own head yeah. about how she's perceived. Like she very easily, she is to a large portion of diehard Bieber fans, like the most hated woman in the world because they either wanted to be with him themselves or wanted them to be with Selena. And she had to endure that. And I think that really took a, did well, her damage. I think the other thing is that something that I noticed about her in interviews is that she will never say a bad word about Justin, even jokingly. Like a lot of people will do something funny, like oh, he leaves his socks on the floor. Like, I think she is so concerned about people twisting her words to make it seem like there's an issue in their relationship that she would just rather not say anything. So, like, if you notice when she did the 73 questions and they're like, say something that annoys you about Justin. She's like, there's nothing. Like, there's nothing that annoys me. And at first I was like, that is so weird. Just, like, pick something. Like, pick something small. But I so get it. Like, if you're used to every single thing you're saying being twisted to be used against you or be used against Justin, then, like, of course you're just—it's just the easier option to not say anything. Yeah. It's the same thing on 73—I'm not on 73 questions. When she did uh, Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts with James Corden, and he gives her, like, three Justin looks, and she's like— He's, she's like, ra- he's like, rank them from best to worst. And she's like, I can't, I can't do it. And she just eats the gross thing instead. It's like, you could have just done it. But it's like, when you think about it, if you're going to do something where it's everyone's like, oh, well, she ranked the worst look to be when he was with Selena. Like, that's so telling. And it's like, just I would rather just eat the stupid exactly. thing than have to go through that shit. Exactly. It's just I like, think she's just a lot smarter than people give her credit for. I think so too. I think she, you know, I think people doubt her. And and I don't know, I, I wouldn't. I really, I I can't believe I said that about the bottle trick. And it was literally not even just like he saw it and they were already together and liked it. Like it was literally the reason they got back together. And I literally said that. That's amazing. Seriously, that's amazing. That's crazy. Why were you just watching your 72 questions just because? Yeah. I couldn't watch Camila's. Did you see it? I couldn't finish it. The thing with Camila's, and I'm not going to say anything negative about her, but the point of a 73 questions is that everything is very quick and flowing. Like you have, it's one word answers. It's next on to the next one. You have every single question that she answered was a full three paragraph, like MLA format in this essay. I will. And it's like, it's not the point of the show. It's not her that I couldn't watch necessarily. It was just like out with it. I know. Say your favorite song and then move on. It's I, one word. I know. I know. I mean, listen, the other side to that is like, 
I think you have. I think it is so hard to do that well. Oh, I couldn't. Like, I know no, I couldn't. No, of course. I mean, there are so few people that have done it and had it make made it look seamless. Like it's just not an easy thing to do. But yeah, the, the, it was a lot of extraneous language. I don't know. It was a lot, just, right? Just, it was like I feel her. like maybe they didn't explain it to her before. Yeah, that's what it was. I because think. there was a lot of things. Where it was like just just say your favorite outfit and what you I go know. to. Say your go to shoe and then move on. Yeah. A lot of them are really uncomfortable try, because it's a really Julie, hard thing to do. I try with her so much because I want her to be successful and I want the best for her, but I just can't take to her. It's like hard for me. I, I, it's, yeah, I, I think just she's just not our type of personality, which isn't a negative thing. I think a lot no. of people that we love are not other people's types of personality. I think also my the mistake that I made was that I watched Zendaya before her, and not to compare the two, but I I have such a like profound level of respect for Zendaya. Not that hers was like anything amazing. I think it's a really hard thing to do well, but I just, I'm so drawn to her that maybe it was a comparison. I don't know. Just wanted to say that. I mean, Zendaya, we didn't talk yeah, about it. you can't compare the two. Can't. You can't compare Zendaya to anybody. Yeah. There's literally not one other person where I'd be like, compare the two. Yeah. It's unfair. It's unfair to anybody going against Zendaya. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, we got to talk about this Lady Gaga stuff for one second. The first thing, which you all know, is that on February 28th, Friday, she released her music video for Stupid Love, and she also announced her highly anticipated sixth album, Chromatica, which will drop on April 10th. But that's not what we want to talk about. So she's dating this guy, Michael Polanski. He's a tech CEO, investor, and he's co-creator of the Parker Foundation with Sean Parker, obviously. So they were seen kissing for the first time in New Year's Eve, I mean, in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve. And just last week, this article comes out by Lindsey Krauss, who is a senior staff editor at the New York Times in the opinion section. And the title is, my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend is Lady Gaga. And the subtitle is, how do you compare yourself with one of the most famous women in the world? Basically, she wrote this essay about learning that this guy, Michael, her longtime former boyfriend, was dating Lady Gaga. It is so worth a read. It will take you two minutes. It's really, like, I guess, basically, think about how many times we've talked about this type of scenario. Like, oh, my God, imagine what it's like for your her ex to find out, like, even, like, Camila Marone, like, to find out that she's dating Leonardo DiCaprio. We just talk right. about these things all the time, and it's like, this actually, this was, we actually got it. We actually got it from the point of, like, 
My friend's texting me, check Facebook, check Twitter. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's we crazy. got it from inception. It is so crazy because take Lady Gaga out of the equation, right? Like take any sort of stardom. As any sort of human being finding out, the moment that you find out who your ex is dating is a moment you remember. Not oh, yeah. because it's profound necessarily, but it's just like, it's a thing. It's always a thing, no matter what. No matter what, you could have no feelings for them. It's still a thing. And like she says in the article, sometimes it's just out of curiosity. Sometimes it's, you know, out of being vindictive. Whatever it is, it's a thing. And you guys have to read this. Like, I would love for my ex to be dating Lady Gaga. Like, I would love for, like, the thing to be, like, the only person up from there was Lady Gaga. Like, if you were good enough for me, you were good enough for Lady Gaga. Like, that's the craziest thing in the entire world Well, to that's me. the thing. There's two ways to view it. There's, there's one of, like— oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Or like, wait a second, that means that I'm somewhere on par. You know yeah. what I mean? And I have to say that I think if you read this title, some people could assume that she was going to take this very kind of like anti, like women supporting women thing. And that's not what it was. She was so complimentary to Lady Gaga. And she said, um, I want to just read this one thing. She goes, yeah, let's read these two paragraphs. Okay. If you've ever Googled your ex's new partner, be honest, you've probably played a certain game with yourself. You're either just curious, which is healthy of you, or you want to know how you compare. Ideally, the ex's life didn't improve too much without you. In this case, though, that's all upended. How do you compare yourself with Lady Gaga? Instead of thinking, why not me, when I see them together, I think, that was me. It puts the illusion of celebrity down. At first, that was confounding. When one friend called me at my desk that morning to discuss, my voice actually shook. Who wants to rehash an older relationship at work the day after the Super Bowl? So I gave myself till noon, and then I thought again. Lady Gaga is amazing. Comparing yourself with her is incredibly motivational, and I recommend you try it, regardless of how you relate to who's dating her. At least, that's what I did. And like, for example, she talked about this thought process of how, you know, she was going to this event and she was going to wear this black dress that she had gotten years ago on sale. She was like, no, Lady Gaga would never wear the same black dress for the 27th time. She was like, I've never owned anything that costs more than a week's worth of groceries, whereas she's the woman who wears pieces of raw meat on the red carpet. I went to a nice store I'd never been inside before, and I tried something on. I love this. The clerk asked me what the occasion was. I found out from Facebook that my ex-boyfriend was dating Lady Gaga, I told her, and she looked up at me and down and said, huh? She said, really? Yes. She goes, the dress was too expensive, but I bought it anyway. Why should I accept less than Lady Gaga? I love that. By the transitive property, like if your ex-boyfriend dates Lady Gaga, you're Lady Gaga. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> I lo- I just think you guys should read the article. It's such a good read. It's so relatable, but also like not at all relatable. That's one of the best headlines ever. Yeah. That's one of the My best headlines My ex-boyfriend's new ever. girlfriend is Lady Gaga. Wow. 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 I can't believe this girl is just Lady Gaga. I know. It's the transitive property. It's wild. Lastly, we wanted to just quickly touch on— um, Kobe's Kobe and Gigi's memorial service, which I, I, I like, truly do not feel like capable to get into right now. Some of the speeches because I just know that I'll lose it because we were sitting here when it was on last week, bawling, like just sitting in this office, bawling our eyes out. But in case you didn't see it, Beyonce sang. Jimmy Kimmel officiated the ceremony. Um, Diana Taurasi, who's a WNBA star, spoke. Sabrina Ionesco, who's also an NCAA, NCAA women's basketball player. Coaches, Michael Jordan, Shaq, um, Rob Palenka, Christina Aguilera performed, Alicia Keys performed. And then, of course, Vanessa Bryant gave the most touching, like, 30-minute eulogy about Vanessa, I mean, about Gigi and Kobe, and it was Yeah, it was one of, like, the hardest things I've actually watched. That is strength. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was I, it was unbelievable. It was really like, 
I, I can't even put it into words what it was like to like watch her be able to do that and like compose herself so well and get through it. I don't know. She is one incredible woman. I want to just read this one paragraph. I swear it's the only thing I'm going to read from it because it was just, this was when I, I, I lost it. Kobe was the MVP of Girl Dads, or MVD. He never left the toilet seat up. He always told the girls how beautiful and smart they are. He taught them how to be brave and how to keep pushing forward when things get tough. When Kobe retired from the NBA, he took over dropping off and picking up our girls from school since I was at home pregnant with Bianca and just recently home nursing Capri. When Kobe was still playing, I used to show up an hour early to be the first in line to pick up Natalia and Gianna from school, and I told him he couldn't drop the ball once he took over. He was late one time, and we most definitely let him know that I was never late. So he showed up an hour and 20 minutes early after that. I just love that little anecdote. Yeah, me too. The whole thing. There was, was a lot. There was a lot of really, yeah. It was a really touching ceremony. You should definitely try to watch some of it if you can. Then, a couple of days ago, this this was wild. Yeah. So TMZ releases this article that apparently deputies who responded to the crash took pictures of the remains and they were kind of given a secret way out without any sort of repercussion. So this, quoting the article, law enforcement sources tell us in the days after the crash, top brass of the department was aware some of their lower level deputies had snapshots of the scene as well as of the remains found um, and were showing them to people in and out of the department. We're told a message was relayed to the Lost Hill substations and possibly others as well. If you got Kobe pics, come in, come clean, and delete them. Do that, and you won't be punished. That's essentially the directive we're told was handed down by commanding officers. What's even more concerning is the fact that our sources say this attempt to get rid of the damning evidence was all being done on the hush-hush, and it was only when the LA Times came around asking about the scandal that the department launched a formal inquiry. Yeah. Messy. Me- very messy. Messy. Very messy and not right. I mean— we know that Vanessa is suing the helicopter operator for wrongful death. She's suing Island Express helicopters and the survivors of the pilot, Ara Zabayan. I don't know. I don't, like, don't know what to say about this whole thing. Yeah. It's just so, like, I guess the way that I feel is for the victims' families, this is the most horrible thing in the entire world. And then to pour salt on the wound and find out that there were pictures being taken of the remains of your loved ones. Yeah. Like, to me, that's just the, one of the most disgusting acts. Yeah. The whole thing is just—it's like one of those stories that's hard that keeps getting harder. And it's also—I don't know. It's really—there's a lot there. There's a lot with the LAPD and, you know, Vanessa taking action against them. There's a lot with Vanessa taking action against the helicopter company and the— like. I don't know. There's just a lot there. Oh, and Yeah. And the whole thing, and then his family, who's grieving the loss of him, the pilot, I'm saying. Yeah. And now he's dealing, like, it, no one, I'm not, like, pointing any fingers. The whole situation is absolutely horrible for everybody involved. I'm just saying that all of these things, I feel, to me, just add, make it so much worse for everyone involved. Yeah. And I just, our hearts just go out to them, everyone. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? 
Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Moving on to the award ceremony. Listen, we don't like to bullshit you. If there's not a great clapback, we're not even gonna do a nominee. And if there's not more than one comment that we think deserves funniest spot, we're not even gonna give an option. It's a high esteem. It's, it is. So this week, funniest comment goes to Billy Eichner. Posted a picture of himself that said, this is me talking, take, talk, this, this is me talking to you, pretending I'm not constantly thinking about coronavirus. Look who can read today. Keep going. No, you go now. <laughs> now, I'm too, now I'm too on the spot. And someone comments, coronavirus wouldn't prevent me from sitting on that face. And he responds, Ryan, I'm flattered. I just fear this is becoming your brand. Because last week, that same guy commented. Something about sitting, about sitting on his face. I... When a celebrity remembers the handle from a previous comment, top five of my favorite things. Do you think that's Billy's trainer? Or do you think there's some, he's a trainer. It's like his, his thing is for rude fitness. I don't know. I do went you think to, there's a connection between them? We probably should check that. I scrolled a couple and didn't see Billy liked any of them. Yeah. He could just be a, well, a random commenter. Fitness. We're giving him some real publicity here in the personal training world. Yeah, maybe he's excellent. He deserves it. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> see, we'll see what membership rates, what happens. <laughs> okay, you ready for the Kardashian recap? Yes. Okay. Let's start out with Kylie and Turks and Caicos. Let me tell you something real quick. Amber Asali, if that's how you say her last name, who is their friend slash really upcoming, up and coming photographer, has the coolest job. Yeah, I mean, duh. She takes the sickest pictures and Kylie is loving it. Like Kylie can't get enough. And she did this Insta story and I'm sorry, her tits were out of this world. Always though. Julie, her and that light brown hair is a, is a vibe. I love it. I fucking love it. It makes her look so much less harsh. I, oh yeah, I always say that. It softens her up. Like Kim with brown hair, Kim with jet black hair, to me seems natural. Like I like her either way. Kylie, I always feel like the lighter just suits her better. Yeah, there's something about it. Also, I just love a change. Kylie used to like, we always used to see a Kylie hair change. And this is just like the more mature adult version of that change. I also wonder what's going on on this trip because her friends are there. They seem to be on a yacht. It's ha- like half sponsored. I don't really understand. I don't know anything anymore about these trips. They are just, it's crazy. It's a plethora. They're, they, never run they never run out. They never run out. Like, you could never do that for a million reasons, but specifically, like, you can never be getting on a plane every other— I wouldn't. You would, like— You think I would, first of all, by the way, if there is 
I know what you're exactly. Any true. scenario in which you think that I'm going to spend more than three minutes in a bathing suit with Kylie Jenner and her friends, you're just—it's just wrong. There's just no way. Like I belong at like a public pool <laughs> in Long Island. Okay, I don't belong on a fucking yacht with Kylie Jenner and her friends. Oh it's just God. not the way life works. Just, Some people belong on yachts with Kylie Jenner. Others don't. And it, life gets easier when you just accept that. It just feels so stressful. Doesn't it? It's, yeah. And I'm fine with that. Like, I am fine living my life the way it's meant to be. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't, listen. <laughs> There's we just certain go, things in life. Go, like, we won't even go out like a I don't like leaving my house. <laughs> Outside of that, yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, talk about a high stakes situation. Anyway, really enjoying that content. Could have done without that long braid, but you know what? Whatever. They teach their own. She's having fun. And yes, we have totally recognized that she is constantly posting in Travis's sneakers, not his sneakers, his collab with Nike sneakers. And I'm telling you, I agree with you, Julie. I'll say it now. They are, I think, back together. Well, the Insta story. Yeah. Well, the she Insta story. She posted like a throwback it. picture that was like three pictures of the two of them. Yeah, from the from the side from the court side of a game. Yeah, I think they're back together, which is exciting. And also, when Chris, which we'll get into on Ellen. The way that she was talking, she's like, oh, I don't know if they're back together, but, you know, they're spending a lot of time together. They're co-parenting. Like, they're fucking back together. That's my favorite thing about Kylie is that literally, it's like, I, I genuinely believe them when they're all like, we don't know. No one ever knows what's going on with Kylie. Yeah, it's, it's like, not like, that's like my dream aspiration. It's not like when they're asked about Chloe or something, it's like, you know, I'd rather not speak on that. With Kylie, they're like, I swear to God, I just don't know. I just don't know. Even Chris. I love that. You go, Kylie. Don't tell anybody anything. Yeah. Kim, Courtney, Kanye, North, and Penelope are in Paris for Easy Season 8 slash Balmain, a lot of other stuff. They did a surprise Sunday service in Paris. Just, they're having a time. Easy Season 8 today. I know. Did it yet? Uh, I don't think so. A lot is, um, yeah. I Paris is really their place. I know we've obviously had some tragedies there, but I think they just look different in Paris. Well, clearly the fact that, I mean, if she's so willing to go back, it must be really a— yeah, I mean, listen, you can't let somebody take Paris from you. No, she did not. She took Paris back. Yeah. That's what she did. Yeah, you can't. Would, you would just be letting them win. Yep. Also, like, North has a glow on her when she's in Paris. North is just, I can't. Okay, Chris on Ellen. Couple of things here. We talked about the Kylie thing. She was, Ellen played this game with her, like, asking all these next questions. And she said, um, my next grandchild will come from blank. And she said, Courtney. And then she's like, or maybe Kylie, what do you think? I think Courtney, maybe Kendall. Ellen's like, you're asking me. <laughs> when she said Courtney, Courtney was a weird option. I felt like it was just like a, what's the least probable answer? Oh, you think? I mean, yeah. Do you, but there's always that discussion. Like we know for a fact Kim's done. Yeah. Kendall, it's not even on the horizons. Chloe, I don't think right now is her time. But Kylie has spoken openly about it. Courtney, do you think like she's going to have another kid? I don't know. Do you think she wants to? And if she did, would it be with Scott? That's the thing. I don't, I just don't know. I, I really, like, I just can't see her having another kid right now. Do you think, I've, my mind is, like, racing now. Like, when she said it, I was like, that's such a, I, the reason I thought it was such a weird response was not because I was like, that's weird that Courtney would have another kid. I was like, that's weird that she would give the least probable answer and then pretend it was serious. Right. But maybe it's, it, it, I mean, Courtney has spoken openly about how she misses her kids being babies. Like, she enjoys being a mom. She enjoys that early childhood mother, motherhood. Yeah, I think—but I also think a lot of people do, and it's just, like, getting to a point where you're like, 
okay, I can't just keep having babies every year. You know I what know, I mean? I know, but I like think— Like, my she, mom still says that, where she's like, oh, I would love to have a baby in the family. I'm like, guess what, Mom? I that know. ship sailed about 15 years ago. I know, but I don't know. It made me rethink everything I had ever thought. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I never thought— I was just like, that's a weird answer, and well, then I moved on. Let me ask you something. If she's madly in love, let's say, with someone, Eunice or whoever it is, let's say she gets into a really, really serious relationship, and they want to have a child— I could see it. I'm not saying it's improbable, and I'm not saying that she couldn't. I'm not saying that she wouldn't. I just, I don't know. There was a part of me that was like, of all the people you're going to pick, why would you pick Courtney? Kylie is the most obvious answer. She's the youngest one. She's seemingly in a relationship or will be back in a relationship at some point. It was just weird not to say Kylie's name. Yeah, I don't know. That, that shook me. Also, they were talking about Rise and Shine, and she's like, it was really amazing, the attention that we got from that. So by at the end of the day, I was like, let's print up some T-shirts, you know? Why not? It's so easy. Fucking yeah, I mean, listen. They also spoke about Courtney filming, and she said, she's filming again. I think she just needed a break. You know how we all had a tripping, had a, hit a tipping point, and she hit a wall, and she was frustrated, and how she felt underappreciated, and that her sisters didn't understand her boundaries. And so I think after taking a little bit of time off, she's seen the light. Thank God. Thank God, Courtney. Like, we, ne- we needed you to see that light. I think we need Courtney on the show. I think it's a very important perspective that we would be missing if we didn't have it. We like to pretend we don't. We're all kind of like, okay, if you hate it so much, leave. But it's like, but no, don't. Yeah, I mean, I never wanted her to leave. You know, I'm a I didn't fan. want her to, but I was also like, if you're going to be this miserable, don't do us any favors. Yeah. You know? I want her to do what makes her happy. Me too. Also, Rob Kardashian was denied primary custody of Dream. I have no more details than that, but this is about to be messy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it won't be. I don't know. It's a very odd custody situation. There's no world in which it's not about to be really messy. They have been, over the past two years, year and a half, surprisingly unmessy. Or just more quiet about it. To me, messy means public. I guess that's, well, if we're going from the revenge porn to now, yeah, we've come. To me, messy means public. If you're able to keep, and and not that things aren't messy when they're private, but I think if you're able to keep it, especially with two people like that, out of the public eye, out of talking trash on social media, out of public like re- statements being released, out of publicists getting involved, out of lawyers getting involved in the public, then you've been able to keep it not as messy as and one would expect. And also not doing that intentionally. Like I yeah. fully would have seen Black China taking this and running with it, and she hasn't really that much, which is good. Yeah. Also, last week we randomly find out that Kardashians is moving to Thursday nights, which my entire life Sunday nights have been the spot. Like I was— that fucking, like, rocked me. It was, like, you, it's just, like, one of those things where, like, everything you know is true up until a certain point. But and now it's, like, everything's changed. Do you think that it was really just, we're taking it at face value, you know, it's a different day, whatever, logistical reasons, or do you think that that's slowly them weaning us off of it because Sunday night is a very coveted spot, da da da, da. I don't know if they're weaning us off of it necessarily as if it's going to be canceled, but I do think that moving the day of a show that has been on one specific day for... <laughs> 15 years or 10 years or whatever it's been to move it to a different day is obviously some sort of damage control or some sort of something. Let's try and see if viewers come in at this spot rather than a Sunday night because people aren't watching TV on Sunday nights anymore and people are more likely to watch it on this day. I I don't know. Or there's another show that needs, like who knows, but that, yeah. I can't imagine another show coming in that deserves a coveted Sunday spot that's starting uh, that would bump the Kardashians out of it. It just doesn't make sense to me. It must be something about viewership for, on a Thursday versus a Sunday. I can't wait for more of that to come out. I mean, listen, we got like a lot of panicked DMs. I think, because you guys know, typically we do our Kardashian bonus show in season on Mondays. 
I think what will happen is that we'll have to do our bonus shows on Fridays and our regular episodes will either be on Mondays or on Wednesdays. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But what a dick move. I, it really fucked our week up. I mean, what the fuck? I know. But, hey. but well, you know what's funny is that I've been like, I've been like saying people, I was like, well, if we want to go somewhere, we're going to have to leave on like Friday too. afternoon. But then everyone's like, yeah, we, we have jobs. Like we couldn't leave then anyway. <laughs> All of, our friends, all of our friends are like, me and Isabel are like, just so you know, our schedules changed a little bit. They're like, we have jobs. We work Fridays. We couldn't leave that anyway. I'm like, well, I was going to go out with your parents. And then like. <laughs> well, no, because we work remotely. It's true. We don't have to be in one specific spot. That's, it's, it's a huge gift. I feel so grateful for that. With the exception of obviously having to be in studio and things. Yeah. Being able to. to the, the, the recording on Friday kind of fucks things up. Yeah, but you know something? It's a limited amount of time, and there's no way that we're going to wait. Like, you can't do a, a recap episode and have it not be the day after. You know what would have been amazing? If they changed it to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That would have been ideal. Oh, yeah. That would have been, like, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Also, yeah, because Sunday nights for you in general, like, having to transcribe it kind of took the fun out of Sunday nights. Sunday, I mean, I, I guess, but now Sunday, like, you know what I mean? Now I it's know. just, like, Thursday nights aren't fun anymore. I know. I don't know. We'll see on that one. But yes, we were equally shaken as you guys. Also, literally as we were recording this, Kylie is posting the pictures of her and Stormy in the matching pink Dior in Turks and Caicos. And I just don't know what to do with myself. No, I, I can't handle it. I don't know what to do with myself. Also, can I just stop? I know this is off brand for us and we're not going to do it, obviously. But like, I would love, put all of what I'm about to say in the text of like a very consensual thing. Like if Kylie was on board for it, right? I'm not saying I want to sit here and dissect. Assuming she's on board. What would you fucking do to have her sitting here with her plastic surgeon and have them outline every single thing she did? I mean, I would do anything. Julie, I would do anything. Because I'm not one to sit here and speculate what she had done. Like, I just don't, I don't like doing that. But like, clearly there's stuff. And I would love to know the details. Not in a judgmental way, out of pure curiosity. You know, here's the thing about, that I think a lot about with celebrities and plastic surgery. Plastic surgery used to be like, you knew they got it done. It was like, you knew it was a facelift. You knew it was a boob job. You knew it was a tummy tuck. Like, you could see it from a mile away. The way plastic surgeries progressed is in a way that you now don't have to be so open about what you've gotten done, not because you shouldn't be or because it's not taboo or whatever. It's because the procedures that are done are not the same procedures that were once. So it's not a tummy tuck. It's like this thing that you go to Australia for and they suck all this fat cells out. And it's like... I think that a lot of celebrities think that like when you're doing it that way, there's no reason to come out and be open about it because it's just the specific, you know, non-invasive thing that you got done and you're, it's easier to hide. You don't have to be as open about it. So I think that celebrities not aren't as willing to talk about it, not because they don't have it done or not because they think they're above having to talk about it. I think they don't think they have to talk about it because it's not the same plastic surgery we were once used to. Yeah, I think they've downplayed it a lot in their heads. It's like, it's non-invasive. And I also think there's a lot of things that celebrities do that are so normal to them that would be so crazy to us because it's just not, like, there are certain procedures that I think they get done that are just not in our realm of knowledge that they even exist. Right. They're just like lasers. Like, a $10,000 laser on a Tuesday is not a big deal to some people. Right. Right. I mean, but then there's the invasive. Then there's, like, a full-on boob job, which is, like, great. Nothing against it, obviously. But that's a full-blown plastic surgery just like it was in the 80s. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know. So much to say. Um, I think that that's—is there anything else you want to touch on? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. We also just wanted to mention he hasn't released a statement, so— out of respect for him, we didn't want to talk too much about it. But um, it was reported that Tyler Cameron's mother, Andrea, died, confirmed by people. Apparently, she was taken to the hospital on Thursday. 
We know this because he announced that he had to cancel Good Morning America for a sudden family emergency, and he just said, please pray for my mom and my family. So I— Obviously, our hearts are with him and his family, and I can only imagine what he's going through. So yeah. we are so sorry. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think that's it for today. Okay. Love you guys. We will see you on either Thursday or Friday for an entire Love is Blind bonus episode. And I have, quite frankly, never been more excited no, for I anything can't ever. Wait. I have so many fucking things we to say. We also have two guests one next week, the one week after, but I don't know if we can say it yet, so I'll wait we'll until we can. We'll okay. We love you guys and we will see you later this week. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.